Grace, mercy, and peace be yours from God our Father, through His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. The Word of God that calls for our attention this morning comes to us from the Old Testament reading from the prophet Jeremiah, particularly verses 31 and 32. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. Not like the covenant I made with their fathers when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. So far our text. Through the prophet Jeremiah, God is declaring the new covenant that he will establish with the house of Israel. A covenant that will be different than the one made at Sinai. A covenant that will be better than Sinai. Where everyone will know him. Where iniquity is forgiven. Where sin is remembered no longer. While this covenant is new, it does not contradict or destroy the old. Jesus himself said, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish, but to fulfill them. He declares it new because the old covenant has been broken. Not by God, but by His chosen people. Even though He loved them as their husband, Israel and Judah loved to walk away from God. Even though you and I are members of the bride of Christ, we too love to walk away from our Lord. We have broken His covenant so many times we can't even begin to count them. But our breaking of the covenant does not destroy it. In fact, it strengthens the purpose behind the covenant. Because there has never been a person born of man who has been able to keep the covenant. And that's the way God made it in the first place. When God made His initial covenant with Abraham... He made the covenant with himself. Abraham and his descendants after him are simply the beneficiaries of that covenant. Abraham had brought five animals, three from livestock and two birds for sacrifice. Three of them he split in half according to God's command. The two birds he put opposite each other in a line along with the halves of the sacrifices. When the sun had gone down and it was dark, Behold, a smoking pot and a flaming torch passed between the pieces. In the ancient world, when two parties made a covenant, they walked together in between the pieces of the sacrifice, met in the middle, and shook hands. So who is it that's walking in between the sacrifices and meeting in the middle? A smoking pot and a flaming torch. Who else could this be but God the Father and the Son? God makes the covenant with Himself. Abraham's sinfulness or his sinlessness has absolutely nothing to do with the ratification of the covenant. However, Abraham gets all the blessings out of it. To your offspring I give this land from the river of Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates. So what's the point? What was the purpose behind the covenant? God showing His faithfulness. And that hasn't changed with the new covenant. Both the old and the new are completely and totally based on God's faithfulness. He fulfills the covenant. We receive the blessings. 
When Moses received the law on Mount Sinai, it wasn't a new covenant with Israel. It wasn't a replacement with what God had said to Abraham. The law was a confirmation of the same covenant. As we saw two weeks ago when our Old Testament reading was the Ten Commandments, God confirms the covenant He made with Abraham and the benefits that He gives to Israel as His descendants. He begins the Ten Commandments with that very confirmation. I am the Lord your God who brought you up out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. All of these things were promised to Abraham in that covenant. Know for certain that your offspring will be sojourners in a land that is not theirs and will be servants there. And they will be afflicted for 400 years. But I will bring judgment on the nation that they serve and afterward they will come out with great possessions. And they shall come back here in the fourth generation. The children of Israel who first heard the Ten Commandments at the foot of Mount Sinai were living proof of the covenant with Abraham. They were living proof of God's faithfulness. The law as it was revealed on Mount Sinai is then based on the covenant. It doesn't define the covenant. It fleshes out what the covenant means for the beneficiaries. When Jesus came to fulfill the law and the covenant for us, He does so because that was the covenant. God wasn't looking for Israel's holiness. They had none. Jesus was their holiness. Just as Jesus is our holiness. Israel began to believe that their obedience to the law made them holy. Not even close. Their holiness came through faith in the one who was promised, who was coming to fulfill the law perfectly. Faith that embraced God's promises in the covenant. Promises that still apply to us today. God told Abraham, Know for certain that your offspring will be sojourners in a land that is not their own. That's life in this world. We live in the world, but it's not ours. We don't own it. However, we know who owns it. And even better, we are counted as His children through the covenant. We proclaim that at the beginning of the service. God's own child, I'll gladly say it. I am baptized into Christ. Through our baptism, we are brought into Christ's body. We are included in the new covenant, which also includes us in the old covenant with Abraham. Our baptism brings us into God's family as Abraham's children. Not of the flesh, but of the promise. Because Abraham's children, his descendants that receive the promise are the ones that come by faith, sharing in the promise, sharing in the faith of the promise that Abraham believed. Continuing in this faith brings us into our reward in Abraham's bosom, where we will sit at the feast of salvation with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob the blessed. With all these things, God has not destroyed nor has He contradicted the Old Covenant. He simply renewed it by revealing the true nature of His covenant. Everything that was in the covenant with Abraham is still demanded today. Nothing in the New Covenant is different than the Old. The same substance and doctrine. God still demands full and complete fulfillment of the law. He still commands total perfection. 
He still commands a sacrifice for the forgiveness of sins. Because He wants to give that forgiveness of sins. So if it's all the same, what's so different? What's so new about this new covenant? Its expression is different. No longer is there a long series of sacrifices made as imperfect substitutions. No longer does the covenant simply strike the ear. No longer is God veiled in the covenant. The old covenant was riddled with problems. Today's sacrifice only covered what had happened before. It couldn't cover tomorrow's sins. Because one bull, or a goat, or a sheep, could never offer complete forgiveness of sins. So the sacrifices had to be made over and over. In fact, God instituted daily sacrifices at sunrise and at sunset to make atonement for the people of Israel. But those had to be repeated every day. There was never a time when the sacrifice was enough to give full forgiveness. Not until Jesus and His perfect once-for-all sacrifice on the cross. Because He is fully God and fully man, He can make atonement for the sins of the whole world. He is the true substitute that can take our place and has. The one to which all the imperfect substitutes pointed He fulfills, fills fully the promises God demands in the law. His one sacrifice overcomes all the problems because it delivers from sin, death, and the devil. It promises us the forgiveness of sins and provides us with everlasting life. All of which was promised and foreshadowed in the Old Covenant. But the Old Covenant could not deliver them. For most of Old Testament Israel, the Old Covenant was simply an external thing. The things we had to do, the things we couldn't do. It fell upon the ears only, as it was expounded by the patriarchs, the judges, the prophets, the priests, and all the others. But many times it fell on deaf ears. Ears made heavy from the constant bombardment of the Old Covenant's seemingly incompleteness. Ears stopped up because they refused to listen to their inability to keep the covenant. But Jesus promised this would change, and the change would be drastic. No longer would it be necessary to instruct someone in the outward word. The word itself would penetrate the heart. Thanks to the Holy Spirit for His work of creating and sustaining faith. Not just letting the spoken syllables rattle around in our ears, but driving them deep into our heart fulfilling Ezekiel's prophecy from the Easter Vigil service. I will take you from the nations and gather you from all the countries and bring you into your own land. I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean from all your uncleannesses, and from all your idols I will cleanse you. And I will give you a new heart, and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh, and give you a heart of flesh." And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. You shall dwell in the land that I gave to your fathers and you shall be my people and I will be your God. The Holy Spirit comes into your heart through baptism in the new covenant 
He brings the clean water sprinkled on you deep into your heart. Turning your heart of stone into a heart of flesh. Renewing your heart through His gracious outpouring. Granting the knowledge that Jesus has fulfilled the covenant for you. The Holy Spirit will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said. Jesus promised His disciples that very promise of the new covenant. The Holy Spirit indwelling God's people so the law might be written on your heart. That you might be the people of God. That you might know for certain that your iniquity is forgiven and God remembers your sin no more. Also, the way the covenant is taught will be different. No longer shall each one teach his neighbor and each his brother know the Lord, for they shall all know me. We are proclaimed to confess this with every evening prayer service. In many and various ways, God spoke to his people of old by the prophets. But now, in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son. With the appearance of our Savior, we can now see God's face. It is no longer veiled through shadow and type. The Holy Spirit leads us to recognize this and live in the hope that this knowledge brings. St. Paul wrote to the Corinthians, And we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. This transformation was not possible under the Old Covenant. Only through the New Covenant are you able to have the veil removed and able to rejoice. This love unknown transforms us through the healing Jesus brings. Healing that not only allows for recovery from disease. Healing that brings forth life from death. Therefore, we can sing with confidence as we will in a moment. Awake, O sleeper, rise from death. And Christ will give you light. Also, we can proclaim throughout our life, Death, you cannot end my gladness. When I die, I leave all sadness to inherit paradise. Though I lie in dust and ashes, faith's assurance brightly flashes. Baptism has the strength divine to make life immortal mine. In the Old Covenant, there was no assurance of this life immortal. In the New Covenant, you have the assurance that life immortal is yours, even now. Because Jesus has fulfilled the covenant for you. He has given you the benefits of that fulfillment. Because your iniquity is forgiven. And God remembers your sin no more. Amen.